Well, hello everyone. Welcome to the first episode of Fly Cool Shit. I'm Mark, and I don't know what this podcast is going to be yet. Um, I think it's going to be me mostly interviewing other people about flying cool shit. That's kind of why I wanted to make the podcast in the first place. Um, I did have a podcast before called Inverted Cast that was done with my buddy Derek and I. Um, that was so much fun. And we stopped that. Gosh, I don't even know when the last time we recorded, but we started that over 10 years ago. It'd probably be huge now if we kept it going. Oh, well. But um, due to all the COVID boringness, uh, I decided to start another podcast, just doing it myself. And uh, I thought about, you know, kind of the aviation podcasts that are out there. And a lot of podcasts, you know, there's a lot of airline and professional pilot podcasts. And then there's, you know just general aviation podcast, but there's not really a podcast, at least that I've found, that kind of talks about flying unusual, cool things, aerobatics, uh, aerobatic airplanes, experimental airplanes, unusual airplanes, warbirds, and um, I have so many friends that fly so many cool things, and I think that's kind of the inspiration for the podcast, is like, I think I've, I've flown a few interesting things in my career. Uh, as a pilot so far that I can talk about, but mostly I want to interview people that have flown uh, and fly cool things and share their experiences and their stories and maybe that'll spark interest in other pilots to uh, you know reach out to or branch out of their of their comfort zone and fly some different things. So that's kind of what's uh, that's that's the podcast so far. Um, that's all that's all I've got. We'll see what it spawns into, see where it goes, but as of now, it'll just be talking about flying cool things. So, um, in the episodes to come, we'll mostly be interview based. Um, maybe do some solo podcasts with uh, uh, just talking about stuff that I've flown or hot topics that I want to talk about. So, the podcast will be whatever the podcast is going to be. Um, so, yeah, how's everybody doing out there uh, in, in COVID land now? I'm bored out of my mind. I took a nine-month leave from my airline uh, to be home. My oldest daughter is doing distance learning from school, and um, it made a whole lot of sense for me to stay home and and be with her while my wife works. My job's a little bit more flexible right now, getting to take a leave like that, a paid leave, partially paid leave. Um, thank goodness for the airlines and the airlines getting uh, getting some government help. That really gave us some flexibility to do that, but... Um, the amount of flying I've done, um, especially uh, uh, having issues with my extra, which I'll get into here in just a second, but uh, between uh, not being able to fly my extra as much and then not flying professionally, my flying's gone from, gosh, 100 hours a month to like none, basically, which is crazy when, uh, you, one, you do it for a living, and then to, to just have it go away like that uh, is, is very weird, but... Um, for a while, it's just, you know, flying my extra 300, which has been amazing. Um, flying my buddy's extra 200, giving him instruction, and then uh, him letting me fly it uh, um, because my airplane's in the shop, which has been really nice of him. Um, it, it's, I, my flying has gone from, like yeah, just like a couple hours a month, um, if that. You know, I think there was a couple months there where I maybe I flew one or no hours uh, in an airplane, which is just so weird. I haven't not flown like this in, in 10 years. I mean, I've been a professional pilot um, 10 years. So, yeah. Uh, so that's been pretty weird. How's everybody else faring out? 
You guys flying a lot? I, I fully expected when this started uh, that I'd be flying a bunch. I'd be flying my own airplane a bunch, um, flying with buddies, and, uh, doing instruction and things like that. And it just has really slowed down in all facets, so it's been really, really odd for me. But hopefully my airplane comes back soon. Um, talk about that a little bit. So I, um, I'm fortunate to own a share uh, in an extra 300, mid-wing extra 300. Uh, love that airplane. It's a former, former Northern Lights airplane. And uh, it's been a real joy to, to fly in that airplane. And I'm fortunate enough that I, uh, I, I get to teach in it. And I teach recreational aerobatics and upset recovery in it. Which is what I like to do. That's really, that's really why I even bought into the airplane in the first place. I, I love flying by myself, but I really love teaching. So that was a great avenue for me to, to be able to do that. And, um, yeah, I miss it a lot. <laughs> Easter, I think it was Easter Sunday. Um, it, maybe I'm off by a week, but yeah, Easter Sunday, I think, um, uh, co-owner had a little, a little boo-boo in it, which caused some damage, unfortunately, and it's been down ever since. Um, hopefully by the end of this month, this is, um, recording this podcast September 14th. So hopefully I'm knocking on wood that this airplane finally gets finished and is back um, at my home airport, ready to ready to fly again by the end of the month. So it's been a, it's been a huge process. It's been a logistical nightmare. Uh, extras, if you don't know, um, are made in Germany, and they the way they write their manuals and the way they want control over the airplane, rightfully so, uh, is very proprietary. Um, the airplane being a plus ten minus ten G airplane, certified. Uh, means they want some creative control or they want to prevent <laughs> um, who touches the airplane and, and limit the chain of custody on, on who does repairs to the airplane. And, and there was some spar repair, uh, an aft spar that was uh, had a crack in it and some composite repair. And it was really limiting on who could do those repairs. And so uh, I live in California. The airplane actually had to be partially dismantled and shipped from California to Florida uh, to our good friends at Southeast Arrow to do the repairs, and so it's been there ever since. Turn that off. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, so it's been there ever since. Um, it finally, I mean, between insurance and then just getting, uh, COVID hasn't helped at all getting things done swiftly. So it took it took just a little while to get get insurance to give the green light. We thought maybe it was going to be total, just because, like I said, it, it's such a finicky process to repair an airplane like this, an unlimited aerobatic airplane. Um, if, it was, if it was experimental, could have had any composite person do it. And if it wasn't exper- or if it wasn't composite um, and it wasn't so expensive, I mean these, these the wing alone is over a hundred thousand dollars to replace. So if we needed a new wing, that would have been a write-off. Uh, so we, we just weren't sure. Uh, what was going to happen? What uh, it was kind of thought it was going to get totaled. Then okay, it's not going to get totaled. Okay, oh now we found something else. It's not looking good. And then um, it kind of came, or finally insurance kind of came back and said, okay, no, we're going to repair it. So I think it shipped out to Florida in June. Man, maybe it was July. Maybe end of June, early July. So it's been there for the last couple months, few months, and. Um, the engine should be, uh, engine got refreshed. Uh, we did a lot of, um, kind of extracurricular, uh, 
repair, so to speak, or uh, maintenance on it while it was down. So engine's getting some love. Uh, we're doing some other things, other just small little squawks that uh, we were going to wait for annual that uh, we're going to take care of now. So it'll come back a really, really nice airplane. So, yeah, looking forward to that and looking forward to being on the fly again, teach again. Um, and uh, that'll definitely offset some of the mundaneness of, of just being kind of stuck at home. Um, as an airline pilot, we're, we're kind of gone, you know, almost half the month. Every month, it's just so normal to leave for a few days and then come back. So it's been really weird to be home. Um, it's been great. And, you know, I'm super glad I took this opportunity to be home. But uh, it's definitely weird. So, yeah, looking forward to get, getting the extra back. Been really fortunate uh, to have some friends that let me borrow their airplanes. Um, uh, got to fly my buddy Jeff's uh, S1 a couple times. Shout out to Jeff Lowe. Thank you so much for trusting me with your your beautiful Reno Racer. Such a fun little airplane to fly. I definitely want to talk more about flying that airplane because it's, it's such a challenge to fly that particular S1. And I don't even know... So that's the only S1 I've flown. And it's not really... It doesn't really fall into any um, cookie-cutter S1 category. It's got a Kristen Eagle firewall, so it's got a flat... kind of a flat-top firewall. Um, and it's got a custom carbon canopy... A shit, like a one-piece shell that's detachable. Uh, so the visibility in that thing is unreal. It's the best visibility pits I've ever flown. Um, flown the S2B, S2C, and that S1. And boy, does it... I mean, the visibility is... It's like better than an extra. It's better than any almost any table airplane. Um, aside from maybe like, you know, airplanes that you can see over the nose. But if you can't see over the nose in the table airplane you fly, this airplane's got better visibility for sure. Uh, but it's a really fun little airplane. It's got, you know, um, uh, you know, pretty happy motor in it. <laughs> uh, fixed pitch. Um, so it doesn't really have that drag uh, that you get from, uh, you know, putting the prop full in high RPM on landing that you're used to in like a high performance pits. Um, but uh, that it's just such a slick little airplane. It's got so much power. And man, it's just like a little rocket ship. But it's it's a challenge to land that thing. It's a challenge. Ironically, it's a little bit of a challenge to get it to slow down. It, it, it just doesn't slow down like these big um, three-blade, you know, Hartzell or MT props that, that can really, really become like a drag brake almost. And um, certainly, certainly you can use those, you know, use that drag brake uh, kind of to your benefit uh, to really keep the energy up, keep the altitude high, and then you can really, really dive bomb it in on your approach to landing if you need to. Um, and this pits is not like that as much. Um, certainly it's draggy, it's a biplane obviously, but it doesn't have that drag that like a, an S2B or an S2C has. So it's, it's, that's a challenging airplane to fly and it's so funny. I'll get a text from Jeff like, hey man, come fly my pits, which is so nice. So super nice of him. I hope I can be that generous someday with the airplanes I own. Just, you know, let people fly my airplanes and just uh, uh, wonderfully generous that he, that he will reach out to me, text me to go fly his airplane. Um, but it, 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 the last couple times it's been like a year. And so I think the last time I flew it was just, a, it was a couple months ago. Uh, yeah, a couple months ago, July timeframe. And, uh, it had been like 14 months since I'd flown it last. So I, I, I kind of perpetually spend my time getting current in that thing again. Um, but it was a great flight. Just did some um, basic acro and then, um, 
some pattern work just to kind of get used to the airplane again. But yeah, it's such a fun airplane to fly and such an unusual pits uh, because he uses it to race in Reno. And so it's kind of, I wouldn't say it's not set up well for aerobatics, but it's it's definitely more set up for um, racing than it would be as an aerobatic platform. So it does aerobatics really well, but it, you can tell that it, the airplane just it's set up in such a way uh, control control harmony and, and control force wise that it's 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 meant to be you know race in a straight line and, and have its controls uh, in, or in, in control its control inputs set up in such a way that it kind of benefits racing over maybe aerobatics uh, so to speak uh, so that was nice flew that and then I flew my buddy Rob's uh, extra 200 shout out to Rob Oxnar uh, another really generous human being um, I did his his training and insurance requirement uh, checkout or hours, so to speak, uh, dual instruction in that for his insurance, and then um, his aerobatic training and stuff like that, and um, that's been a lot of fun because the extra two hundred is just such a fun airplane. Uh, the extra two hundred is the first extra I flew. Back at the flight school I used to teach at, um, we had one for a while, and I did a couple hours in that, and it was just such a fun airplane. I really feel like the extra two hundred is the unsung hero of extras you know they don't get a lot of credit because they're you know it's just a, a 200 horsepower four-cylinder io360 you know it doesn't have the big power it's not a big powerhouse hot rod like the the 300s are um you're not going to win any you know certainly not making a whole lot of noise coming into the box it's not real exciting it doesn't have the energy but what a fun wonderfully balanced beautiful aerobatic flying airplane I mean, all extras are. I mean, that's really extras signature is just wonderfully flying airplanes. Um, they have so many, obviously, so many good things about them. But any extra you get into is is going to be a beautiful flying airplane from an aerobatic standpoint. And flying the extra two hundred, even like owning the three hundred and being used to the three hundred, getting in the two hundred, it's so much fun, and it's it's. Aside from a little less power, it's really, you're right at home in the 200. Um, and ironically, and I can't, I, I might be wrong on this, but I believe the extra 200 has the same wing as the 300S. And, um, I mean, it's a real snappy airplane. It r rolls wonderfully. It's very light on the controls, um, especially, you know, depending on how the owner of that airplane sets it up. But really, really nice on the controls, really light. Um and wonderfully balanced, of course, but it just doesn't have that power. You can't really power through things like you can on a 300. I mean, 300 just has so much power, so much horsepower. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Hoping to get this airplane, hoping to get my airplane back um, and, and do some more flying and teaching. And I'll be off airline flying for, so October will be, it'll start nine months in October. I took... A one-month incentive line leave this month, and then the nine-month extended leave starts in October, so that'll be fun, quote-unquote, I'm using air quotes here, that'll be fun to try to stay sane and try to try to do some fun flying in between. Um, yeah, so what else do I want to talk about here? Um, talk a little bit more, I'll talk a little bit more about my extra um, and then I want to move on and talk about um, Mache's extra, um, who he he basically owns a sister ship to mine. My airplane is a for, former Northern Lights airplane, 
pretty fun. Um, if there's not a whole lot of video on the Northern Lights, but they were a um, a multi ship aerobatic team that used first started in, in the mid wing extra three hundred, which is what I own and what Mache owns. Mache, sorry, um, owns, and he uh, I think his is experimental. Mine's certified, but he went through a huge. I think a year long process to get that airplane basically ground up restoration and, and get it going. And he's just been flying it, um, flying it a whole bunch. Finally flew it. I think he finally flew it like maybe two months ago. And, uh, I think he's put like 30 hours on it already. So he's just flying it constantly. And it's been great to see that transformation and see how happy he is flying that thing. And it's just, it's such a beautifully done airplane. He did a really, really nice job on it, but it's so funny to see the freedoms he has with it being experimental, and obviously I need mine certified because I want to give dual instruction in it and teach in it. Um, he doesn't care about that, and I think the airplane had some damage similar to what mine did, um, and they just made it experimental and did the repair that way, whereas we needed to ship ours out and have it done in accordance uh, with what extra Germany wanted as far as a repair goes. And so in order to do that, I had to keep it certified, and of course it's going to cost you know a million times more. Um, but his, um, his airplane just came out, I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful airplane. And it's been really fun to watch him uh, fly during the pandemic <laughs> and, and get his, or get his, uh, his checkout done and, and solo it and, and enjoy his beautiful airplane. Uh, but it's pretty fun. Um, most uh, people that will probably listen to this are also part of the Aerobatic Pilots group on Facebook or know me from social media or something like that. And, um, we have, I think, five of the six Northern Light owners um, accounted for, and I think four out of the six are on that group, which is really, really cool. And so we can kind of keep track and, and, um, and keep track of these mid-wing airplanes. Um, the Northern Lights, they're, they're a, they were a Canadian team. Like I said, there's not a whole lot of video, but you can, you know, if you Google Northern Lights aerobatic team, you'll see that uh, they started out in the mid-wing extra 300, and then... Uh, Moved on to the 300L, the lowing version, and then did L39s for a little bit. I think they had a crash, and then kind of dissolved a little bit after that. Uh, but they were a cool team, really, really cool team. It's fun to see a multi-ship, you know, extra team, or I mean anything. Uh, but multi-ship teams kind of seem to be, unless it's a jet team, you know, high-energy multi-ship teams kind of seem to be the last... Um, I don't know. There's there's just not a whole lot of multi ship air show teams um, at all. But if they are, they seem to be jets. You know, as, as far as civilians go, right? Obviously, you have the Blue Angels and Thunderbirds and the Snowbirds. But um, you know, the, like the Patriots and um, gosh, it's been so long since we've all been to an air show. I'm trying to think of who else would be out there as, as far as a civilian multi ship team. Um, and I, that's the only one I can come up with right now. Uh, but it was fun to see. I got to see the Northern Lights perform. I forgot which air show it was. Uh, they, they came down and did some U.S. air shows. So it was fun to see them once. And then, I don't know if anybody remembers this. This is a throwback, but the Discovery Wings channel. Um, you, there used to be a whole um, like satellite TV channel dedicated to Discovery Wings. And it was like, you know, obviously they played the, the, the show Wings on the Discovery Wings channel. But then they had a whole bunch of other really cool um, programs. And like their B-roll and commercial footage 
had the Northern Lights, and that's like how I discovered them. I remember they had this really cool kind of intro commercial to to Discovery Wings, and it, it showed the Northern Lights team firing up and flying. I was like, wow, that's awesome. And that was, I mean, gosh, 20 years ago probably now. Um, getting old, but that was really cool. Um, yeah, I, just, I guess the multi-ship air show team, um, it's just not, not a hard, it's not a popular, well, it's probably really expensive to, to operate. It is, it is expensive to operate, obviously, but, uh, I, I wonder marketing wise, if that's not a, um, you know, it's probably a hard marketing thing to do because they're expensive, expensive for the air shows. Logistically, it's harder. Um, but that, yeah, there used to be a bunch of multi-ship air show teams and then it's just kind of, kind of died out. I do know there is, you know, it's still rumor mill at this point, but Sean Tucker and a few others, um, are, are starting a multi-ship team. I think five ship and the, uh, Gamebird GB1 airplane, which is, uh, that'll be cool. So that'll be, that'll be a multi-ship, uh, air show team, uh, that, that is non-jet. Um, it'll be one of the few, if only in the United States that I can think of. Um, especially doing that many. I mean, maybe there's, you know, there's a couple teams that do like two, you know, like, uh, was it Redline Air Shows, the three RVs, I think. Um, but yeah, five, a five ship, uh, aerobatic team would be really cool. Piston aerobatic team. Um, so yeah, I'm missing air shows. I know everybody else is missing air shows. I don't even go to the big air shows. Like I, I still haven't been to Air Venture and I still haven't been to Sun and Fun. I, I gotta go to both of those. Um, haven't been to either one of those, but I'm I'm missing the West West Coast air shows like crazy. Um, boy, next month would be Fleet Week in San Francisco, and that's obviously not happening. That's been canceled, uh, just as like you know basically the rest of the season. I mean, uh, air show performers, uh, you know, my my heart goes out to them. Anybody that makes a living off of this stuff has just been decimated uh, by COVID, which is a real bummer. So hopefully we can get back to some sort of normalcy in 2021 we'll see get some air shows going i know there's been some a few virtual air shows here and there but um definitely if you know if you have your favorite air show performer reach out and, and buy a t-shirt or something try to support these guys and 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 girls uh, men and women air show performers while uh there's this kind of downtime because we just don't know when it's going to come back but um oh what else do i want to talk about here I guess I'll talk a little bit about kind of my my background. Um, I want to keep it short because this is the last thing I want is a podcast that just talks about myself. Um, but um, like I said, I'm a professional airline pilot. Uh, I've been I've been flying for the airlines now for I don't know about four years, and I have a background in corporate aviation uh, mostly, I guess, uh, up until this point. But um, been flying professionally for about ten years. I'm a certified flight instructor. Um, got bit by the acro bug real early. The, uh, the school I, I learned to fly at was kind of an aerobatic flight school in the Bay Area. And my instructor uh, took me, uh, I think I got my private, and he took me up in an aerobatic flight in Satabria. And after that, I had flown uh, Satabrias before that. Um, I actually started my training uh, to get my tail wheel, uh, or I started, started training in a tail wheel for my private uh, but didn't really do any aerobatics, and I think he took me up after uh, my private as kind of a celebratory flight, and I, I was hooked after that, uh, absolutely hooked. Couldn't stop thinking about it, and, and so I, I, I got an aerobatic checkout in the Satabria and a table endorsement and all that after my private, and I really just 
I mean, that really just kind of drove the bug. Um, and I've been hooked ever since. And think about it all the time still, just as I think most people, they get that bug and um, they just just become obsessed. And so got my private and then um, I did a lot of Satabria flying, super decathlon flying, renting, just renting. Um, and then uh, I knew I wanted to be a professional pilot, so I had to kind of put that stuff aside and, and, and finish my ratings. And then um, my instructor, shout out to Edward Dorr, <laughs> after my instrument rating... He's like, I'm going to take you up in the pits. Like, okay. So he took me up in the pits and, uh, you know, it's kind of like a celebratory flight and did aerobatics. And I just, I couldn't believe how fun that airplane was to fly. I couldn't believe it. I actually still kind of can't believe it. There's so much fun. But, um, I, I was just, I mean, it was a light, literally a life changing moment. I mean, it's like one of those markers that you can look back and you, in, in somebody's either, you know, recreational civilian or, military or professional flying career and just say that that was a turning point and that was definitely a turning point it was my first flight in the pits it was unbelievable and so uh, I had a real hard time kind of separating the, the the doing professional training and and trying to keep some sort of uh, you know fun because um, you know professional professional flying is kind of like a means to an end right you know you want to get paid to fly um, which is fun and it's great in its own its own right but it's not like fun flying, it, you know, it, you got to kind of keep the fun flying and so many people don't, but, um, I really struggled keeping the fun flying with the professional flying, uh, but eventually did it. It took me a little longer to get all my, my ratings and all my professional ratings, um, while I was doing aerobatic flying. But, um, once I, I got my commercial, um, the flight school that I was learning, uh, you know, doing my ratings at, uh, every once in a while, they he would need um, somebody to do like an aerobatic ride in the pits, and so I started doing those and getting paid, and it was just it was totally cool and so much fun uh, to do those rides. And then I got my CFI, and then I, I um, started teaching in all those airplanes, started teaching in the pits and um, super decathlon, Satabria. Uh, flew the extra two hundred a couple of times, and then um, I think the owner uh, it was on lease back, and then the owner either sold it or it, it he took it off lease back and. Didn't see an extra again until uh, um, years later. And so that I stopped teaching at that school to go fly freight and, and kind of pursue professional aviation. And then I really didn't fly much GA um, for several years. And then I just started getting the bug again. Um, fortunately, it's kind of um, where uh, some of the Warbird flying kind of popped in. So I... Um, was real fortunate to get involved in the Collins Foundation, and uh, boy, this year would be my sixth year, I think. Uh, it is my sixth year, fifth or sixth year, uh, as a volunteer pilot for a Collins Foundation, and when I was started, my first couple years there, I, I just, you know, I think I had a kid, and then now I have two two beautiful daughters, but um, I, I'd volunteer, you know, three, four days at a time, five days at a time, and I'd come out, and you know, I, I, I kind of would fly um, kind of shitty, uh, to put it, <laughs> to, to put it um, bluntly. Um, and I started kind of getting a little insecure. It's like, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a better pilot than that, but I, I just, you know, I'm nervous flying. I'm, I'm, hell, I'm at the controls of a B-17, you know, and um, I'm nervous. I, I want to do good, and so I'm, I'm kind of tense, and 
and then I, I'm not current in that airplane, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I won't see it for several months, and then I'll come out for a couple of days, and, you know, it'll be kind of crappy, and I'll start to get used to it again, and then things will start to click, and then I leave. And so I really thought, okay, I really need to get back in a GA flying and, and keep flying GA. I can't, can't go from a jet to a B-17 and expect it to work okay. And, and I didn't, my, you know, my main thing is I didn't want to put pressure on who I was flying with to have to babysit me because there's nothing worse than doing that. And so I uh, got back involved with the flight school um, that I initially learned at in the Bay Area. And, and it was under new ownership, and um, the new owner was great. Still is great. He still cur- uh, currently owns that school, um, and he's a great guy, Sam, uh, awesome guy. And he, uh, when I kind of did an interview with him about coming back as a, as a part-time CFI, he's like, you know, what would make this school really great for aerobatics? I was like, get an extra 300 for sure. Because um, they had a super decathlon, they had a, a couple of Cetabrias. Um, I think the Great Lakes were gone, the Waco was gone. So some of those kind of cool and usual biplanes were gone. Uh, but the Pitts was there, S2C, um, which is great. But I said, you know what? Top it off, get, uh, find an extra 300. And I was working at NetJets at the time, and I was on a trip, and I got a call from him, and he's like, hey, I bought an uh, extra 300 in Pierre, South Dakota. Go get it. <laughs> I was like, Okay. And so in the dead of winter, I went and grabbed that extra 300 and, and ferried it from Pierre, South Dakota over to uh, Livermore, California and started teaching in the extra and teaching in the pits. And it was great. And that really kind of kept me current um, in, in GA. And, and I think it was real beneficial to, um, you know, helping out at Collins Foundation, uh, flying the B-17 and the B-24 and the B-25. Uh, but more so, it really reignited my, my spark and love for aerobatics. And I just, I couldn't believe that I had been away that long. You know, fam- life happens, obviously. You know, family happens. I had two kids during the time and got married. And, and you know, things start popping up, right? The, the house, the picket fence, and, uh, you know, having to mow lawns and all that lame crap. Um, life kind of gets away from you. And then you just, uh, it's so easy to see, especially, uh, you know, this will ring true to anybody that's a professional pilot is we all know those people they just kind of they fly for work they hate it uh they go home they don't they don't want to think about flying and uh you kind of we all get into this job because we love it um but some people just kind of lose that love and and the professional world can beat you up for sure um which is why you gotta you gotta kind of keep a hand in in just general aviation somehow you know go teach uh buy an airplane you know, even if it's a even if it's a one fifty two, and you just you know, fly that thing once a month. You know, just do something to to keep your love up for small airplanes and get up and go fart around and go go look outside, look out the window, and and kind of sightsee and and just have fun. Go up for fun, you know, where you don't have to show up because somebody's telling you to be there. And uh, I was just kind of amazed at what what slow, it was kind of like a slow erosion of that love for general aviation. I didn't even notice it until I, I started flying uh, back at that school again. I was just like, wow, man, I really love this. And um, So I'm, I'm really glad I did that, and I think it helped it fly the warbirds and stuff like that. And um, Obviously super fortunate to have been able to do that. Um, unfortunately this year, you know, the tour was put on hold because we lost our, uh, our wonderful B-17 last year, 909, and uh, Mac and, and Mike rest in peace to those guys, uh, unfortunately, and obviously everybody we lost in that crash, um, are, um, 
we lost several riders that were you know were in the airplane at the time and obviously a, a horrific and un- unthinkable thing that happened um hopefully uh we fly again uh everything right now is kind of in limbo uh we're working on that and i'm going to my next hopefully my next guest is going to be uh, my good friend good friend robert pinkston pinky who's the chief pilot for collins and uh, I want to talk about his flying career because he's he's just amazing has an amazing flying career and he's not I don't even think he's twenty five yet maybe he's twenty five now but I think he's like twenty four, which is ridiculous he's just flown absolutely everything um, but maybe he can give us a an update on things with the Collins Foundation and 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 things like that and get to hear about his interesting flying career uh, so that'll be fun so yeah that's and that's kind of where I'm at now um, uh, that school that I taught at that had all the fun aerobatic stuff. Um, you know, he wanted, Sam wanted aerobatic airplanes, but then I think there's just some element where, you know, they, they, they're boutique, right? They will always be boutique. Um, they won't rent like a 172. They're not, you know, the airplane to, to fly 40 hours a month, um, doing pilot training or, you know, certificate or rating, certificate and rating training. Um, they're, they're, they're specialized. So, and I don't think he ever really, really liked the idea of them. You know, it's obviously, um, for somebody that doesn't understand or doesn't know any better, they seem to be high risk. Um, you know, you, you might think people hot dog in these airplanes when they rent them. Because they, they rent, I mean, it was the only school I knew of that rented an extra 300 solo that you just go rent an extra 300. There might be one or two in the country that do that. And there's nobody that does it now that I know of that you can go rent an extra 300 or a Pitts S2C solo. Um, and even that extra, uh, that was there, um, is now, I don't, it's been pulled offline of the school it's at now, but, um, Sam basically, um, kind of broke off the aerobatic side of, of that school. And so the super decathlon, all the Satabra, the Satabras were sold, the super decathlon, the pits and the extra went to another school, um, kind of separated from that school. And then the extra, uh, the owner of the extra pulled the airplane from that school. So, um, as far as I understand, there is not an extra that you can rent, uh, solo in the country. And in fact, when my airplane comes back, um, it'll be the only extra in the Bay area that you can get dual instruction in, uh, which is wild to think. I mean, it's just such a boutique thing. Um, and I can't believe that more people don't want to do it. It's kind of a shocking thing, but I guess we're weird, right? Aerobatic pilots are weird. So, yeah, so and I've, I've kept it kind of a, a recreational aerobatic pedigree, if you will. Um, I don't compete. Um, I, I, I love the idea of competing, um, but I just, I have too many hobbies as it is and too many things that I go down the rabbit hole on to uh, really focus on competition aerobatics. I may in the future. Um, I actually talked about doing it this year, but, you know, this year happened <laughs> in more ways than one. You know, the... Uh, competitions dwindled. I mean, there's like, I think maybe one or two happened in, maybe one in California happened. I don't know. Um, but only a couple happened on the West Coast um, compared to the usual. So um, it wouldn't have been, there wouldn't have been too many opportunities to compete anyway, but I don't have an airplane to compete in. Uh, so that kind of sealed the deal. So yeah, that's 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 kind of me in a nutshell. Um, I've, I've been really fortunate to fly lots of fun and cool airplanes. Um, Collins Foundation gave me just a wonderful opportunity to fly those beautiful airplanes so I'm, I'm just eternally grateful to fly the B-17 
um, and the B24 and the B25 with so many wonderful people. And that's, that was one of the big shocks was just how talented people were and are that are involved in these organizations. Um, that's been a real fun thing uh, to make friends and, um, and be colleagues and, and, and cohorts with just some of the top air show and Warbird performers, uh, former shuttle commanders, uh, you name it. Um, that's been really fun. So I hope to get back to that in 2021. Hopefully, hopefully we see that, that, it, uh, that again. Um, and yeah, just, you know, uh, I think that's what this podcast is going to be all about. You know, it's just, I'm just thinking in my head, just like the opportunities that I've gotten to fly just a cool airplane here and there or, or teach in these airplanes or have, have a buddy call up and say, Hey, I've got a buddy that owns X, Y, and Z. Uh, can you go ferry it? Um, just th- those kind of those kind of things have just been really really fun, and it's such a departure from the norm of just, you know, the normal GA pilot. You know, goes to a school and learns in an Archer or a Warrior or a Cherokee or a one seventy two or a one fifty two or a one fifty, and, um, you know, a lot of these airplanes are kind of foreign to, uh, or you know, kind of foreign concepts to people, and so. Uh, I, I really liked the odd airplanes, you know, and, and like a Great Lakes isn't even, like, it's not even an odd airplane, it's just, you, you never see them, and you would never see them in a school, and yet, we had a Great Lakes, and a, and a Waco YMF-5, and, um, just getting to fly those airplanes, and teaching those airplanes, uh, and, and be a part of those airplanes, the T-6, uh, we had a T-6 for a while, it's just, it's just such a cool, unusual school, uh, that, that I was involved in, and able to teach at, and then, um, just over the years, getting to fly so many cool things. So that's basically uh, what I want this podcast to be. And and just random ramblings uh, uh, from a, <laughs> an out-of-work professional pilot right now, like me. <laughs> uh, and just, you know, things that are happening, things that are cool, things in the aerobatic world, the airshow world, the warbird world, experimental world, um, world record attempts, thing, you know, just stuff like that. Um, I did see today that the uh, GoPro Hero 9 uh, is getting released and if the specs hold true on that that's going to be a cool uh, a cool camera to get uh, I know a lot of you know a lot of aerobatic pilots air show pilots and actually I mean everybody now really benefits to filming uh, their flights can't tell you the countless benefits uh, that you get from filming your own flying um, but in the aerobatic world it's invaluable to see, you know, especially if you're getting coaching on the ground, uh, dual instruction in, in the air, sure. Uh, but if you're getting coaching on the ground, uh, you know, a camera in the cockpit, just invaluable tool, especially if you can pair it with the audio in real time to where you can see the critique of something you're doing and then look at the inputs that you're, you're giving the airplane and say, okay, oh, over, over controlled here. Or I, I bobbled the stick here and there. Um, that's been, that's something that, Technology-wise, uh, is so cool and just did not exist in the capacity that it did uh, back when I was learning. So that, that's a real cool thing. But um, the Hero Nine looks like it's going to be really nice. Five K video, bigger battery. Um, it looks like there might be a modular lens or something like that that you can like reverse the lens. Um, I think the announcement. What's today's date again? The fourteenth. I think the the official announcement is the sixteenth. So um, that'll be interesting. But, yeah, GoPro's been making really good cameras. I know a lot of people use the Garmin Verb, another good camera. Um, 
I've, I've, I don't know, I've always been a GoPro guy. And, you know, once you get into involved in their ecosystems, you kind of stick in there. Uh, the GoPro mount, you know, is a proprietary mount. I, mean, I think, I mean, there's other cameras that have the GoPro mounts now, I think. But for a while, it's like you're buying specific mounts of the GoPro, and you don't want to get all new mounts, so you don't want to start another camera system. But, um, yeah, that'll be exciting to see. Uh, I think it's got a, a color front LCD screen. Uh, which will be nice, you know, kind of center yourself. So if you do like selfie, selfie type stuff like webcam or, um, you know, it's not even be good for this podcast. Right now, this is just audio only. I may do a video podcast eventually. I don't know. But yeah, you know, you know, life's boring when a camera excites you, right? I'm excited for the Hero Nine. I'll buy it absolutely. I've got two Hero Eights. And a uh, Max at the moment, and those I mean, the Hero Eight's a, a really solid camera. In fact, I think it's a hundred bucks off right now. That's a good buy. If like if you have old cameras, I was talking to a couple buddies today on the Airbag Pilots group on Facebook, and um, they've got some older cameras. You know, the Hero Eight's a good buy if you don't want to shell out the money. I, I don't know what the Hero Nine's going to be. Uh, typically, these cameras always come out around four hundred bucks for the uh, the top end version. It wouldn't shock me if the Hero Nine is five hundred. Maybe it won't be. Maybe it'll be four hundred, but it won't shock me if it's five hundred, um, which will make the Hero Eight an even better deal at three hundred. That's a solid camera for three hundred bucks. Really solid camera for three hundred bucks. Great four K recording. Good image stabilization. That's yeah. It's a good camera, but excited for the Hero Nine for sure. What else do we want to talk about here? Do we want to call this a day? I don't know. Why don't you write in, um, i tell you what, email is flycoolshit at gmail.com. Give me some suggestions, what you want to hear from the podcast. Like I said, I want to keep this unusual and unique and talk about unique and, and, and unusual things. So, um, you know, I thought about it, some, some maybe more detailed flight review analysis on, on airplanes like the Extra 300, uh, things that I have some time enough in to talk about how these airplanes fly, their personalities, their their quirks, so to speak, um, what they do well and what they don't do well. Um, and I want to get people on that have experiences that I don't have um, to give those detailed experiences, you know, about, you know, like I haven't flown the 330SC. So get somebody on here that has, you know, a lot of 330SC experience to talk about how that airplane flies. And, and hopefully... They've flown, um, you know, a number of extras or a number of aerobatic airplanes that they can compare and contrast and how they, how that airplane fares or how these airplanes kind of stack up. Because that's what's so interesting is how these airplanes are all different and all fun and unique in, in their own individual ways. So uh, that's going to be really fun. Uh, but flycoolshit at gmail.com. Just like the, uh, the word says, or just the word says, the word says? Um, just like it sounds, fly cool shit with the uh, the expletive in there at gmail.com. And kind of let me know what you want to hear from this podcast. What you want this, what would you like to hear in this podcast? Um, try to keep it fun. Try to keep it loose. Uh, not overly produced. <laughs> I'm just going to put it out. This is one take and out it goes. And uh, uh, try to keep it fun. Try to keep it light. And we'll see where it goes. We'll see where it takes us. 
Anyway, anyway, guys, episode one. Thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Um, try to do this on a weekly basis, and um, the majority of these podcasts are not going to be me talking. It's going to be you hearing cool stories from cool people doing cool things. Uh, if you want to learn more about what I do in my extra 300, www.mp-aviation.com is my website for that. Uh, you can go to flycoolshit.com. Uh, there's not much there yet, but I'm going to be adding um, the ability to download the podcast there, kind of a blog uh, with show notes kind of thing. And um, you can add mpaviation.com on Instagram, flycoolshit on Instagram. And uh, you can stay up to date on all that stuff there. Um, this will be obviously where I'll, you know, you can download this podcast wherever podcasts are downloaded, so iTunes and um, all that stuff. And that's probably uh, that's probably it. That's probably it. Thanks everybody uh, for listening. First episode in the bag. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. We'll see you next time.